The best young players in Argentina, it's the Golazo 50, the start of 2023. And so we look back on a tremendous 2022 that, of course, culminated in World Cup glory. Tom Robinson is back alongside me as we go through our annual rundown. Tom, always a good occasion for us to look back on 2022. And, of course, one of the best topics of covering Argentinian South American football is looking at some of the young players that could or maybe have already moved to Europe. Exactly. I think that's probably one of the things that we find most people are interested in when it comes to South American football is those next starlets who could be going on to World Cup glory in the future, we hope. And um, this one, I think, was probably the toughest list we've had to do yet. There was a lot of names on the long list. Yeah, yeah, there was. Um, For anyone who has already looked at the list um, and is wondering where some of the players are, Believe you me, they will have been on the, as Tom said, the very long list we had initially. Getting it down to 50 is always difficult. This year seemed more difficult than than previous years where we seem to have maybe 35 guarantees and then we're we're kind of shuffling around 15. But this time seemed to be even more that we were uncertain about. Um, But anyway, we got down to our 50. Before we start going through that, we are going to talk about some of the players that missed out because... It's quite a useful way of highlighting the way that we decided the 50 because it's not just a factor of the potential because if it was, then the list, I think, would be a lot younger in general. You'd have a lot more players, 17, 18 years of age, who clearly have the potential to go on and, and play for some of the biggest teams in Europe and be Argentinian internationals. But a lot can happen between the ages of 17 and 23, which is the cut-off point. Um, and for that reason, we, we tend to then look at a lot of the not just form this year, but what those players have achieved at senior level for their clubs, whether or not they've already had a transfer and then been able to impress in another league, another country. So all of these things combined kind of go to putting the players into their positions. And I think this year, Tom, that's what made it a bit more difficult because there seem to be fewer players maybe at that 23 age that were nailed on for the list and a lot more uncertainties between maybe... 17-18 up to 21. Exactly. I mean, we had a bit of a generational shift, I suppose you could call it, with a lot of really good crop of players born in 1998. So, Cuti Romero, Lisandro Martinez, Molina, Palacios, Alexis McAllister, Juan Foyth, Nico Gonzalez. You know, a big, big group who, would, you know, you'd rate as the the better young talents in Argentina all not being eligible for this list as you had to be born from 1st of January 1999 and then as you said some really exciting players who were 17 18 19 but because they if you because they haven't had that experience you kind of felt there was always going to be a slight limit as to where you could put them on the list so you've kind of got that yeah uh, I, th- I think the the, the top 10 was less obvious than it usually is, apart from maybe a, a couple right up the top who were always going to be nailed on. Um, and you had this really big influx of young players, some pretty big names dropping out um, as, as well. Um, but generally, it, it did make for quite um, an interesting mix in the list, I think, this year. Yeah, I mean, as we were doing it, we obviously were, were debating a lot of players that we ended up having to cut out. Um and there was a variety of reasons for that. We were going to go through a few of those that I'm sure some people 
would have argued that they would have had in their 50. Um, at the, the bottom of the age range, one of those names is obviously Gianluca Prestiani of Vélez and Argentina under-17s. Made his debut for Vélez this year, went into the club record books, making his debut in the Libertadores, etc. And without question, looks an enormous talent who could easily go and play at the very top end of the game. Um, we're both aware of that, but we, we didn't put him in the 50 as a good example there, Tom, of one of those guys who, despite that enormous potential, we felt as though 2023 could be the year that we actually see that on a little bit more of a frequent basis at senior level. And therefore, this time next year, when we're talking about the list, he's a guy that you'd hope to see in there. Yeah, I, th- I think he's super talented, really tricky player, so much creativity and invention and and someone who was probably maybe 51st on our on our list and could have easily uh, snuck in at the bottom there. But probably because he's got youth on his side, we that probably counted against him for this time, knowing that, you know, unless there's an absolute shock, he's going to be in the list next year and probably in the sort of top half of the list next next year if he lives up to the potential. You've also got a few of our, those other super exciting but um, inexperienced players who are who are sort of plying their trade abroad who I think we're going to see a lot of next year as well so Nico Pass is, is one that I'm definitely keeping an eye on I think this year could see him have quite a big big impact and become someone who's more well known uh, to people around the world um, so he's one the Carboni brothers uh Gerard as well. I think those those all fit into that same sort of category of t- uh, guys whose ceiling is super high, whose talent is clear for everyone to see, but they just haven't had sufficient game time. Um, Prestiani being the one who's probably had the most game time, but e- even that, I think we're we're just holding him back, managing his expectations. <laughs> we don't we don't want to heap the pressure on because, you know, once you get that Golasso 50 uh, <laughs> exactly. mentioned, it can go to some players' heads. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think the other thing is worth pointing out is what personally I quite like to see with a Golasso 50 because it's quite a large range, particularly if you're someone who's getting into the senior setup of teams at 17. There's five years that you, you're still eligible for it, so it's quite nice to see that progression of someone who gets in in that lower spectrum of the 50 one year on has, has shown that improvement. They're a bit higher and, and it's by the time they're 21, 22, that they're really, you know, in that top 10 competing positions. And you'd certainly hope a guy like Prestiani could be on that kind of trajectory. Um, the other end of the, the, the spectrum, I guess, Tom, in terms of the players that didn't make it from those young players would be the guys who may be coming off the back of a, a really good season, a good, a good year, but there are, top end of the the age range and maybe don't have that ceiling you know they had coming off a good year very good players in Argentina but we struggled to see them maybe having a massive impact later on in their 20s going to Europe and, and pushing on to potentially play for the national team for example um, and Facundo Colidio was maybe one of those guys that was unlucky to have missed out after a great year with Tigre but maybe isn't quite going to be the player that, you know, arguably he could have been if someone in the Galasso 50 five years ago, um, but just missed out this time. Yeah, again, someone who was right on that cusp of, of sneaking into it. I think, as you said there, the fact that he's kind of finally coming good um, towards the end of this sort of 
bracket in which you would classify him as a young player count you know counts against him and also I think because you had quite a similar player in terms of uh, Retegi also being kind of filling that spot as the the guy from Tigre, Tigre who's who's in his early 20s now and has, has kind of finally come good so I think that he almost suffered in a way because there was that even better example at, the, at that same club um, there so someone who I think has has proven now is going to have a good solid career probably in Primera maybe you could see him move to MLS or, or, or somewhere like that but isn't going to be this guy who's breaking through it into Milan like we maybe thought he had the potential to do um, about five years ago or so. So, yeah, he's he's a good example of those guys who had good seasons, but maybe lower ceilings. You know, you could probably even um, say the same for the likes of, I don't know, someone like Ramiro Enrique or uh, Nicolas Garajalde at Velez, um, perhaps even Lucas Beltran, um, guys who if they'd appeared in 46th or something, I don't think anyone would bat an eyelid at, but you know, they might just be in that, you know, 50 to to 70 kind of bracket just shows the strength and depth in, in the talent in Argentina right now. Yeah. And and then finally, of course we, we had players that were in the 50 one year ago. um, But for one reason or other, we dropped them out. And partly I, I think some of that is to make it a little bit more interesting for some variety um, but there were some different reasons, I think, there as well, Tom, for, for why certain players dropped out of our listing. Yeah, some very heated conversations about <laughs> some of these players, because certainly, I mean, the big ones for me um, were Agustin Almendra, um, because he, he looked like he'd sorted everything out last year and, and he'd, he, he was pretty high up the, the, the list. I think the, probably the, the highest player subsequently drop out of the list and mm. you almost feel as if you you owe him because he's been such a long-term favorite someone you've really put your neck out on the line to say yeah no no this guy's this guy's gonna be special Um you almost feel like it's yeah just cutting them loose feels feels a little bit harsh um, but the fa- I think we just couldn't ignore that he's it's not the first time he's clashed with the Boca hierarchy um, and even though he's clearly a good player, um, just the repeated off-the-field issues that has seen him, you know, lose years of his career already at this early stage, you just think, does he have the mentality to actually go on and, and be a proper player? He's always going to find a club because he's he is good, but he, he just desperately needs a, a change of scenery. And I think another pl- player who certainly you, you can't doubt his um, his personality, his commitment, but again, someone who's not lived up to expectations we had um, 100% down to injury this year. Um, but um, yeah, Pedro de la Vega, someone who very sorry to not see in the, um, in the top 50 um, again on another day, he might've just stuck, stuck in there because of our fondness for him um, and, and the quality and potential that there is there. Um, but as these players get that year older or a couple of years older, that potential factor that we can always point to dwindles a little bit. And and for Pe- Pedro de Vega, as well as the obvious hor- horrible injury that he had, 
you know, he, he's also probably not quite shown enough. So mm. someone who I wouldn't necessarily rule out of, of, of coming back in if he if he gets back to full fitness and, and carries on. But someone who I'm, I'm belatedly having to sort of say, oh, yeah, maybe he's not going to be the, the big star in Europe that I, that I thought he might be. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly it, particularly with those two, just a, a complete lack of playing time throughout the year for one reason or other, which is which is why it cost them. Um, and when we talk there as well about getting towards the 23 mark, which is the cutoff point for the glass of 50, and in terms of maybe at that point you are able to make a bit more of a clear assessment on potential, it's also a pretty decent marker in terms of, as an age, are European scouts going to come in for a player because more often than not once you see a player go north of of 23 certainly 24 that window for a move to European club or certainly a significant European club seems to to really diminish um and that's obviously another factor that goes into to these lists when a player goes makes that leap to one of the European leagues starts playing on a regular basis um and and frankly when a player hasn't done that by 23 24 you do start to wonder whether it's ever going to happen. And, and once they're at that age, it seems more likely that maybe Major League Soccer would, would would still be interested, but not sure whether one of the major European leagues would be. So anyway, that was more or less some of the thinking, some of the names that were certainly considered but didn't make it into the list and hopefully give some kind of uh, sense and reasoning behind the 50 that we got to, which we'll now jump into. Um, 50 was Nicolas Fernandes Marcao, who had a great season with San Lorenzo before making the move to Elche. At 49, Alejo Belis, um, a really interesting young centre forward from Rosario Central, who scored a number of goals this season, will certainly be one to keep an eye on. Central doing really well with their young players. 48 was another one of theirs, Lautaro Blanco, who has already completed his move to Elche. 47, Bernabe, of course, now at Celtic. Um, and Tom, when we see that 50 to 40 section, one of the things we, we're seeing straight away is, is a number of fullbacks, a position which, certainly for the national team, there's been a real scarcity of quality at both right back and left back. Yeah, it's 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 a position that we've we've talked about a lot before on this on this pod, and and I think these these three players in terms of Fernandes Mercado, Blanco um, and Bernabe, I think they, part of what gets them higher up the list is just knowing that there is that gap in the national team that could be filled because I was thinking the other day, looking forward to the, to the next World Cup, at that point, Acuna and Taliafico are going to be well past their best. You maybe have one of them in there as a uh, you know, as, as an experienced squad member um, who, who can maybe come off the bench. And you look at some of the young, exciting players um, coming through, maybe uh, Julian Alde or um, Carboni or Vega or, or Barco, another player who's just a little bit higher up in the list. And you think, OK, they, they might be, you know, just about experienced enough to, to handle the national team, but maybe it'd be quite a lot to ask of them being a, a starter for, for Argentina at that uh, early in their career. So you've got these guys who are, who are kind of riding riding the wave of the fact that there aren't that many other alternatives out there. They've all got moves to Europe, which is obviously a, a good sign of progression, even if they're 
you know, even if a, a team like Elche is is struggling in Spain at the moment, I think it's a mark, of, you know, that sets them out from maybe a Francisco Ortegas of this world who are still in Argentina. So I think that these guys have got such a good opportunity that if they can establish themselves in Europe, albeit a you know a, a mid-level club, that they could just be in that nice moment where they they could be the left back at the right age who could at least for you know be a, a squad member um of the Argentina national team so i think that is a big part of why we see so many fullbacks because they they are just crying out for a bit more depth in that position particularly at left back yeah absolutely I mean, all three you would have thought would be or hopefully be in that conversation in 4 years time given the age that they'll be then sort of around the 27 mark hopefully with, with four years of European football experience under their belts as well. Um, we'll come on to a couple of those younger fullbacks in just a moment. 46, another one of the young players, Benjamin Dominguez from Gimnasia, a really lively winger, Tom, who was one of those that was kind of on the cusp but could have easily been, as we just discussed, some of those players that just missed out. He was someone who kind of just got himself in there um, off the basis of, yes, his age, but getting that regular first team football yeah I think that's what what sets him apart there is he he's got a full season under his belt now yes we're still waiting to see that end product coming in but he's shown there's been moments of brilliance that one and only goal that he he scored was something that really stood out as a, a marker of his talent someone who'd always impressed in reserve levels and there was someone who was just bubbling under the the radar last year and it always felt like this was his year to sort of break through um so very very well deserved a really exciting player um and someone that i'm sure that we're gonna see a lot more of next year yeah um 45 what we mentioned before valentin barco who kept exactly the same place from last year despite maybe not getting as much game time as we'd like to have seen him push on he's still very young um the left back at boca juniors there's talk about Getafe coming in and making an offer which has been rejected this week, which goes to show, I think, despite him not playing, of what regard he's held in. And so he kept his place. Yes, he was one of those that kept his place far more on potential than, than what we've seen. Um, but it could be a big year for Barker, which is why he kept his place. Uh, another one of those right-backs was at 43 on the right-hand side, um, Agustin Giai of San Lorenzo, who may well be in the U20 team at the South, Amer South American Championships later on this month. Um, and in between those two full-backs, uh, Tom, at 44, we had Mateus Palacios, uh, the former San Lorenzo star, the, the wonder boy there, um, who has sort of certainly dropped off the radar because of his transfers firstly to Basel um, and now in the UAE. Um, but we kept him in there because of the fact that, yes, he's gone off the radar a little bit because of going to slightly obscure leagues, but remaining because of what we saw from him at San Lorenzo and for Argentina's youth sides, a significant talent who, at his age, could still kick on. Exactly, yeah. I think if he was a couple of years older, he, he is, he'd be the type who would have slipped off the, the list, but he, still, he is still very young and... As opposed to the likes of Almendra, Adolfo Gaich, Sarmiento, he is at least getting some football. And okay, they're not in the. It's not been in the leagues that maybe we expected them to be, but you know he's a pretty big fish in in smaller ponds. So 
as much as we would have expected him to be perhaps in a different league or a different club and was having seen a bit more from him, I don't think he's he's slipped to the same extent as some of those other players that we've we've already mentioned. So that plus plus the age factor, yes, he's dropped down by um, about eight places there. So he's not moving in the right direction. And I think this is the the year that you know hopefully we'll see him you know really light it up in the in the UAE and and have a bit of a Manuel Lanzini swerve back into uh, a top European league because there's there's definitely a, a player there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we finished the, the first ten then with two 21 year old midfielders still applying their trade in Argentina. 42 Rodrigo Villagra who's at Tejeres, and 41, Santiago Ese at Huracan. Um, And I guess in both cases, you kind of look at them as players who, again, it could be a big year for them because two players that could make moves. Um, Certainly Santiago Ese had a great year with Huracan and looks like a player that could attract interest from a number of different leagues. Um, And depending on, on how 2023 goes, they're the kind of profile of players that could find themselves higher in this list. Uh, in one year's time or potentially dropping off it completely uh, depending on how things go Um, 40 Pablo Solari who made that move from Colo Colo to River um, midway through the year started off tremendous fashion having lost Julian Alvarez and Enzo Fernandez of course Solari looked like he could be the next significant sale from River dropped off a little bit um, towards the end of the year but certainly warrants his place there 39 Federico Gattoni um, the San Lorenzo centre back, one of those who is right at the top end of the uh, the age range, but had a great year, has a pedigree with the uh, under twenties previously, and um, you know with centre backs maybe you can start a little bit slower and you could still see them going on to have a have a decent career. So he's in there at thirty nine, thirty eight Julian Carranza, um, and Tom he's an example of someone who actually. Is coming back into the list. He was in there two years ago, wasn't in there in 2021, but we sort of felt he warranted a place back into the 50 this time around. Yeah, he, he was definitely somewhat of a, a not, not an afterthought, but certainly someone who, when we were going through our original picks, it was like, okay, let's let's spread the net a bit wider. Have we, we missed anyone? Is there any other players that we can potentially think of um, who, who's in there? And... Um, and then, yeah, Carranza, someone who we always rated highly, but had, had sort of gone off the gone off the radar a bit while it into Miami. But yeah, one of the top scorers in MLS, and I think even if we've seen other players on the list perhaps either drop out or, or not make it in because they're you know trucking along at um, an okay MLS side, you know we've seen Navarro and Ajala drop out um, despite not necessarily having done anything wrong. Um, I think when someone really does impress in MLS, as we'll see with some of the players higher up and we, as we saw with Castellanos last year as well, then I think if you're, if you're really excelling in, in one of those leagues, then that that's got to be recognized. And, and, uh, and one of a, a few players who've re-entered the, the Golasso 50. So there's, there's always hope, even if you drop out, <laughs> you could, we're not going to write you off forever. We're, 
very open-minded and kind and forgiving. Exactly. There's a lesson there for everyone to, to hang on to those dreams. Um, 37, Bruno Sapelli kept his place, um, the Belgrano playmaker. Belgrano, of course, making promotion look relatively easy from the Pereira Nacional. And now we get to see really what Sapelli's made of back in the top flight. Um, another one of those that we, we wait and see 2023. And he's someone who could be significantly high up the list if Belgrano really impressed. And he's essential to that. 36 was Luis Vasquez of Boca Juniors. Um, slight climb on last year and, and maybe didn't Really, really kick on, but still a, an integral part of the Boca first team squad, um, coming in and, and playing an important role at times, if in the end maybe overshadowed by some of the other young players at the club that who we will get on to. Um, and then at 35, Tom, Julian Fernandez, um, one of a number of Vélez talents to make it into the list. Um, and being only... 18 years of age, one of the younger players on the list as well, but someone who absolutely deserves it after a really good showing during 2022 and looking ahead to this year, when you look at some of the openings potentially in that Vélez squad, someone who could have a very big year to come. Yeah, Vélez are always a side that produce a lot of young young talent and they've got a, a particularly good crop coming through at the moment, which I think it's helped um, Fernandez in, in some ways, the pressure not being on him to be the the one shining light of the club who's expected to deliver. He's he's been able to come on, make key contributions, obviously in that um Copa Libertadores quarter final. Um he was he was great in, in both legs. Um and that was clearly a a, a big reason why you know he, he makes it onto this list as well because he's shown that he can do it in big big moments. But he's always He's always shown that he's he's got something about him which which sets him apart. Um, you know, in the in the list there, we we kind of compared him a little bit to Angel Di Marie, and in the fact that he's maybe a quite sort of taller, skinnier, wide player. And I think there's definitely space in the Argentina team for for, for players like him in the in the future. So he's he's someone who's yeah representative of of the good things going on at Vélez, as is. Um, Gomez, who's a, a little bit higher up the list there, um, in I think it's 31st, um, and you know there's there's we should also give a shout out. You know we've we've mentioned Prestiani um, as as one of the other Velez players who, who who just missed out, but you know he, even the likes of Castro, Seoane as as well, both both players who who are close to to getting in that list, and and I'm sure will um, will be making a case to, to, to get in there next year as well. So um, future's looking very bright. And I think Fernandez is going to be one of these players who in 2023 could be a very big climber, um, perhaps with, with Gomez as well. They're, they're certainly guys who, you know, whereas below 35, there, there was a lot of, well, whereabouts are they in the list? Could, could they come in or out? I think Julian Fernandez is probably one of those, first players on the on the list that you think well okay he's definitely in the top 50 and there's going to be plenty more to see from him yeah I mean I think when you look at this list and some of the players that didn't even make it you, you do look at Belez and think if they could nail down I think actually some of their transfers incoming to the club to, to supplement those young players coming through then they should really be a team that's able to really go on and challenge in Argentina um, something they've not quite 
really been able to do in recent years, but the, the talent's still certainly there. Um, just above that time, we, we then start getting into some of those players that share a similarity in that they've got their move to Europe, um, but maybe haven't quite yet shown what they're able to do in another league. 34, Ezekiel Bouchalde, who made the move to Feyenoord from Godoy Cruz um, during this year after another really good season um, in Mendoza. And then at 33, Matias Galassa, who made the move to Belgium with Genk from Argentinos Juniors. Again, another super talented young midfield player. But there's a couple of examples like those two that so far haven't been able to, to kick on in Europe, but it's still very early days. Um, but because they've made that move, because they've had the recognition from those European clubs, that's why we put them in the list where they are. Yeah, um, I think it. sometimes it's the timing of the list that, that makes it um, a bit tricky to judge those recent moves, especially for, for the, you know the, these young players like Galasso. You know, he's only had his first six months or so in Europe. Same, same with Bouchalde as well. Um, and you kind of think, okay, these are guys who, if it doesn't go right for them, we might see them slip down the list or off the list perhaps next year. Galas is the type who I think is young enough that even if he does slip off a list, he, he'd probably be back at some point. Bouchalde as well, I think because he's that little bit older, it's I, you know, he he's just got he doesn't have as much rope um, to to sort of make things work um, out there. So if it doesn't go exactly to plan, we might we might see them back in um, back in Argentina. But you know, they've been fantastic on the domestic scene, earned those moves as you as you rightly said, and and now it's the case of saying, okay, right, can you establish your, yourself in Europe because that could see them shoot up the list if, if it goes if it goes well so yeah they're going to be interesting ones to follow this year because um they're not the type of guys who i think will necessarily be nailed on certs um to to do it not because of their talent but just because um yeah just because of the the nature of of, of having not seen loads of them um in certainly in Galassa's case um, the move might have come a little bit too early. So um, they're, they're going to be really interesting ones to, to, to follow, I think, um, in the next year. Yeah, just above them is, is a guy that may find himself falling into that bracket this year. Juan Sforza is at 32 from Newell's Old Boys. Still only 20 years of age, looks a, a really seasoned competitor in the centre of the midfield. You only feel as though that could go up another level this year with Gabriel Ainsi now in charge in Rosario, a team that looked to finally have a little bit of momentum behind them and, and some and certainly some some good vibes coming from the club and, and Sforza has been a real reason to, to actually be optimistic over the last year or so. So expect good big things from him in this year and he another one who could easily get that move, could find himself higher up the, uh, the 50 in a year's time. 31, a player that we already mentioned, from Vélez, Valentin Gómez, Really talented centre-back who came into the team as a teenager and was immediately comfortable there. Um, under 20 international, another player you could easily see leaving the club for a decent amount of money within the next six months. And then we get into the top 30 where we start to see some of those players who are making moves 
in Europe, however old they may be, 30, Luca Romero from Lazio. We can probably group a couple of these in together because they all fall into similar categories and it's those players really, I guess, that um, Argentina have already started trying to integrate into the national team setup. More than anything, I think, as a reminder to those young players who are eligible to go and play for other national teams, you're in our plans, so don't go, don't go changing. We'll come back to Romero maybe when we, when we talk about some of those later. Um, 29 was Retegi, Tom, who we mentioned before um, when we were talking about Colidio. But Retegi's goals this season, even at 23 years of age, made him really impossible for us to ignore. Oh, yeah. I mean, one of the best players domestically in Argentina um, means that he he absolutely had to be on, on the list. And um, I think, you know, there is there is a really interesting player there um, whether he can necessarily break into that Boca setup will be will be one challenge but I think he's the type who you could definitely see being a, a Libertadores regular you know a, maybe a Lucas Janssen kind of um, vibe of a player who's who's done well in Argentina will will be banging the goals uh, on this level and it's it's just whether anyone fancies taking a punt on him from from further afield but um, yeah absolutely fantastic year and, and and had to be in the list yeah above him another one of those guys that's made the move to Europe hasn't yet impressed in Gaston Avila he went to Royal Antwerp um, this year from Boca uh, but again he's, he's high up in the list he has dropped down from last year but he had shown a lot at senior level in Argentina, particularly when he was at Rosario Central, to, to still warrant that place, to still have some faith in him. An excellent centre-back um, who hopefully will find his feet in Belgium and be able to kick on. Um, 27, Matias Sule, who now looks to be breaking through at Juventus, started this week in their game and looks a, a huge talent. Why he's not any higher is for that reason that he's not really been playing re regularly for the first team with Juventus but the reason he's firmly there in the middle of the list is because of that huge potential and, and Tom just talked there about uh, Luca Romero um, Sule fits into that same category really in terms of being there more so on his potential than what we've seen at, at senior level but they're already at those big European clubs and it, it could be on, just on the cusp of big big years that's the thing. I think what sets them out from some of those uh, foreign-based youngsters who we mentioned at the top of the podcast is they are actually you know, on the fringe of the first team, starting to get a few more minutes, having those early milestones in their career at some of the biggest clubs in the world already, which means that because of the talent and where they are, they're you know they've got to be top thirty, but. Also, those high expectations that we have of them means that we would have wanted them to push on more in 22, which is why they haven't really moved that much. I do think Sule, from what I've seen recently from him, I, I feel like he's he's now at that stage where he, he is going to really kick on. Romero's going to have a chance, you know, certainly with um, the under-20s um, and, and things like that. I think he, he does have a good chance as well. But out of the two... I think Sule could be one who who really jumps up um, this year because he's he just sort of glides so nicely. He's got that those nice feet. He's got a very elegant style. He's I think he's 
sort of grown into his body a, a little bit more. Again, someone from that really um, highly rated Velez Academy um, as well. So, you know, he's got a, a good grounding there. But, you know, he, he I think, could, could be the one who, who progresses more out of the two this year. But they're both super talented. They've achieved a lot already in their young careers and um yeah it's i i think again they're two of the more interesting stories that we've that we're going to have this year yeah expect big things from from sule as you say particularly and we'll come on to it another chap who maybe is a few months ahead of sule at another european club who's higher on the list um but between the two of them uh look like two players that by 2020 uh, 2026 even could be really in the, the the middle of Argentina's plans for the World Cup. Um, 26, we went with Christian Medina of Boca, another guy who deserves his place and, and deserves to be quite high up on the list, even if he's not one of those eye-catching players. Um, but he's a regular at Boca Juniors, winning two major titles this season, even if he's not one of the first names on the team sheet. The last few managers have all turned to him regularly from the bench or starting him in the odd game um, and still only 20 years of age so Medina is well worth his place there and just waiting to see if he can kick on 25 another one of those players that's made the move to Europe not quite yet replicated the form from Argentina and Nicolas Castro was absolutely brilliant for Newell's old boys before moving to Genk um, a great pass of the ball could score goals as well at Newell's and, and hopefully you can start doing that in Belgium. 24, Luca Orejano from Velez. We already mentioned him before. Um, he's very high on the list again at 24 um, because he's still been one of the, one of the first starters for Velez. Um, but Tom, we'll wait and see what 2023 holds because he's one of those guys who posted some pretty good numbers, but maybe still left you a little bit frustrated and, and could be now on the on the cusp of a move away from, from Velez, which will, of course, open the door for the likes of Fernandez and Prestiani in those wide areas. But it will mean, of course, on a personal level, it's it's a big one for Orejano and a new club to see what more he's got for us. Yeah, it's, it's a weird one with Orejano because I think my initial thought was that he's someone who, who should be higher but then, realistically, he's not. I don't think he's taken the, the opportunity that Almada's departure had kind of presented him as the the top young talent at Velez. You know, it, it seemed every like he was the next off off the production line. He'd got a bit of experience while Almada was getting all the attention, and you thought, okay, right, time for you to kick on now because talent-wise, you just feel like you are bubbling just below those maybe top top talents in in Argentina but you know he's I think he's suffered a little bit from the fact that domestically Velez weren't great um but the fact that they had that great Libertadores run means you know we've got to got to give him some credit for that as well but yeah I just maybe we didn't quite see as much personality in saying right I'm gonna grab this team by the scruff of the neck and and make things happen whereas He's almost been leapfrogged a bit by some of those younger players who've 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 come in and and made more of an impact. So he's up there because he's consistently been part of Velez's first team plans. He's someone who's been consistently playing well for for a while. Um, 
but yeah, I think part of it is is the fact that yeah, he's he's maybe not done quite as much as we'd, we'd hoped, especially as as we said with that with that exodus of players leaving the list. He should have been one of the beneficiaries of this, and and perhaps um, you know he's he's not quite as high as he should have been if he'd kicked on um, as he was promising to do last year. Yeah, which nicely brings us into the guy just above him in the list, which no player <laughs> can can be said that no player is more true. Um, number twenty three is Ikiel Barco. Um, as I wrote in the list, you know the fact that he's still eligible for this. Um, given that he was in the 2017 Golasso 50 um, and lower than he was in 2017 is is really the, deeply disappointing and and a shame that we're here talking about Barco still wondering whether we're ever really going to see the player that, that we thought we were going to back in 2017 when he was this absolutely electric teenager for Independiente, helping them win the Sudamericana, showing all that personality of being the guy to take the penalty to beat Flamengo in the final as well. Um, and yet he got that move to Atlanta, showed flashes in the in MLS that he was still a very talented player, didn't really kick on in, in the way that was likely to get him another move out of MLS to Europe. Then he got that loan back to River Plate last season, which again, you thought under Marcelo Gajardo, maybe we will see a new version of Ezekiel Barco, but again, just flashes um, and still a huge amount of frustration. So he's still eligible for the final time this year. That's why he's on the list. Um, but it's really beginning to look doubtful whether we're going to see anything major in the career of Ezekiel Barco. It will be very interesting to see what the future holds for him. However, bright future, just above him, Tom, at 22, we talked about some of those Boca players earlier, Medina and Vasquez, maybe not being too exciting in terms of what they produced this year, but you can't say that about the guy at number 22, Luca Langoni. Yeah, in terms of impact, he's one of the most impactful breakthrough players in, in Argentina. I still feel like I haven't seen enough of him to get a true grip of what his level is, what his ceiling is, but just the the way his goals were well, the, the, first of all, the fact that he was coming in and, and scoring so many goals at seemingly out of nowhere, you know, there hadn't been this big build up, this hype that you get with some players. He just popped up and, and started banging in the goals, but also just the importance of them. I think that certainly for this year's list means that, you know, he had to be high up the list and, and certainly seemed to have jumped ahead of a lot of the other Boca young talents in terms of, um, in, in terms of the pecking order of, of, of where they are and, and who's who the most exciting. Maybe there's always that slight temptation that in a player's first season and where you've got nothing to base it off, you know, you, you, you get more excited about them. And once you've seen another season of them, you think, oh, okay, yeah, this isn't, this isn't the shiny new thing anymore. And, and I think Langoni, I've no idea if he's going to be someone who who continues to rise up the list, or if if this is you know um, he, he regresses to the mean and, and is just a, a good option. So yeah, one one that I'll be keeping an eye on because um, it, it could go either way. I think. Yeah, above him is a guy who is steadily, seemingly kicked on in Annabel Moreno. Um, now twenty three, so he won't be eligible next year. But again, another one of those guys who after a terrific 
year, having become a real linchpin in that Racing side, who were excellent throughout the year, even if they missed out on on the major titles in, the, in both the Copa and the league format. But Moreno was one of the guys for Fernando Gago, a good ball winner, really good pass for the ball, and a guy who many of us remember from a, from a great under-20 side a few years ago, who has taken a little bit longer to find his way, but certainly looked like one of the top defensive midfield players in Argentina last year. So uh, a reward for that. Um, and again, another one it will be interesting to see how he does. So moving into the top 20, uh, at 20, Jose Manuel Lopez, um, the Lanús, former Lanús striker, who's got that move to Palmeiras. And as a result, of course, one of the biggest and most successful teams in South America at the moment. Huge competition for places yet to really make a mark there for Palmeiras. No, uh, you know, problem in, in that, given that the uh, the attacking options available to them. But still, based on what we saw at Lanús, well worth his place there. Another guy based in Brazil at 19, in Thomas Cuejo, who, who Tom, again, similar kind of position to last year, but given that one year ago, um, he was with Red Bull Bragantino. They got to the, the final of the Sudamericana this year with Atletico Paranaense. Same again in the Libertadores. Almost felt as though you had to give some credit to him there. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a funny one, really, because part of me, in a way, you know, he... he he doesn't excite me as much as a lot of the other players in, in this list and in this top half of the list. But like you said, he's, he's been a, not necessarily an integral part, but he's been a regular part of, of two sides who've had fantastic success in, in the continental cups. And he, it's easy to forget that he was super, super exciting when he was, um, breaking through at Tucumán as well. So I think the fact that we maybe don't see him on a regular basis has, has slightly prejudiced us uh, against him. But I think we've, you know, shown here in the list that the fact that Lopez, Cuejo and, and a little bit further up, Golopo, while not essential for their clubs in Brazil, um, are getting regular game time and that Brazil right now is a step up from Argentina. It's not a sideways step as we probably would have seen it in, in years gone by. Yes, it always feels a little bit disappointing if uh, a promising Argentinian trades Argentina for, for Brazil um, rather than maybe a, a move to Europe or elsewhere. But I think, you know, the, the reason that these guys are in the 20s as, as well as, again, that, that, that benefit that they've got some experience, we've seen them over the years, They've got the moves to clubs in a in a in a better league at the moment, um, higher profile. All those things um, have, have allowed them to sort of steadily move up. While I think if any one of them really really took the Brazilian league by storm, then you know we could see them um, getting a little bit higher up. But yeah, got to got to give credit for them. Um, you know, making making good progress. Yeah. Um, number 18, a guy that we hopefully will see a little bit more progress from just because of how highly regarded, not just by us, but I think in general, is Santiago Simon at River. Similar kind of position to last year, but because of the fact that maybe we didn't see too much more from him, but a regular under Marcelo Gajardo this year, and, and certainly I'm sure will be in Martin Demichelis' plans for 2023 as well. And, and they're probably going to need to see a little bit more from Simon, given the absentees, the players they lost over the last year. So 
big year for for Simon. 17, you just mentioned Juliana Golopo, another one of those players that's already got that move to Brazil. He's with Sao Paulo. Um, great goal-scoring midfielder for Banfield to earn himself that move. Not yet reproducing that with Sao Paulo, but as Tom said there, getting regular minutes. And then above him, um, a player who unfortunately we didn't get to see too much of in the, in the latter half of the year because of injury, but Ezequiel Sebastios Tom from Boca at the start of the year, the first half of 2022, looked as though he was going to have one of those years that could easily put him in the shop window for some of the big teams in Europe, given his age, given his talent, and, and obviously given the club that he's playing for in Boca Juniors. But a guy who deserves his place high up on the list just because of how, how good he could potentially be. Yeah, the the ceiling and and just how exciting um, he is when, when you watch him means that he's just a really special talent. And even though you could you could argue that given that he got that horrible injury, um, that perhaps that, that means that he shouldn't be quite as high as he is. I think he's he's one of these guys that, you know, a year ago was just just squeaking onto the list based purely on on promise has shown that he can do it at the top level. And if it wasn't for that injury, you know, we could easily be talking about um, a, a top 10, 10 player. So I think that 16 feels like a fair um, a fair position based on the, the level he was hitting, the promise that he's got to go much, much higher, um, but tempered somewhat by, by that injury. But yeah, we've, there's, there's, a, there's a good few new entries here um that, that show that you know there's there's some really really exciting players breaking through um in into argentina filling that gap left by those um those players who are now 24 yeah i mean if we get into number 15 exactly that one of that little cluster of new entries that have gone straight in really hard the list 15 Eki fernandez coming off the back of a brilliant loan spell at tigre um Really, again, punching above their weight with Fernandez key to that at the base of the midfield. A, a, just a really solid-looking number five in terms of being able to do it all. Strong in the tackle, win the ball, really good in possession, can find a pass. And you could see exactly why Boca was so wary of losing him at a young age prior to that loan to Tigre, making sure they got him down to a new deal, sent him out on loan. And now with that loan completed getting him back to La Bombonera to, to incorporate him into the first team because he looks like a player who could even go in this window I think there'll be that kind of interest in him given what we saw at Tigre but if not and he comes back to either play with Alan Varela we'll come on to maybe that in a while but if, if Varela goes then they've got a guy there who can go by the look of things straight into that sort of holding role in the midfield so a great year for him um, 14 Another guy in terms of injury we didn't see quite enough of, but by pure talent and what we have seen at senior level, warrants his place. Facundo Farias of Colón um, started the year in, in decent form, obviously coming off the back of the historic title for Colón in 2021, scoring a few goals in the Libertadores and then suffered that ACL injury in September. Um, hoping that we see Farias back healthy this year and back really at his best. Above him at number 13, one of those other re-entries, Fausto Vera. Um, we talked a lot so far on the list, Tom, about some guys that have made moves to other leagues and we're yet to really see them impress. 
But Vela seems to have made that move across to Brazilian football with Corinthians and immediately carried the form that he had at the start of the year with Argentinos Juniors, where he was absolutely outstanding. So even though he's one of those players, now 22, getting on towards that slightly older bracket, I think there's still going to be clubs from Europe looking at Vela and the way that he's been able to quite seamlessly make that move and still be interested in him. Yeah, I, d- I definitely agree. He's He's got everything that you could want for um, a modern European midfielder. So I think whereas, you know, you see some players who you, you doubt their physical capabilities, there's there's no qualms at all with that, um, with Vera. And I think the fact that he's got that good level of um, experience under his belt there, he's he's ridden a, a slightly um, poor patch of form. Um, and I think probably the, the thing is, with a lot of these players who are maybe 22 now is that you've always got to remember the the fact that the pandemic really disrupted um, some pretty crucial years in, in their career. So there's a, there's a whole raft of players who, who maybe would have kicked on further or would have more experience at this, at this point, had it not been for that, um, that delay in in their career. So he, he might just be one of the, the players who, who gets that move a little bit later than we'd expected. But I think if anything, it's going to prepare him for um, a really top level career better than, you know, you maybe see former teammate Galasa six good months and he's off to Europe. Whereas Vera's, you could say it's, it's been a double edged sword, but you know, he's, he's had that time to build up and, and, and I think there'll be plenty of clubs still interested in him. Yeah. 100%. Um, and then just outside the top 10, arguably two of the most exciting new faces on the list, Tom, and, and I'm sure that people will be eager to to hear about them and see them in 2023. Garnacho of Manchester United, who we're now seeing on a, on a pretty regular basis in England and someone who we will hopefully be seeing on a pretty regular basis in England in Facundo Buonanotte, but two enormous talents um, who you look at what their potential level is and, and think they could easily be figures for the national team for a number of years. Yeah, d- definitely. I mean, I think when we were initially putting this list together, um, Garnacho, we were mainly thinking, OK, he's, he's going to be top 20 based on the potential he's got. And then he had that really good flurry at the end of 2022 where you thought, oh, wait a minute. No, no, he is ready right now. And He's at a, a very big club um, that's trying to get back to where they believe they should be. Um, and I think there's that that feeling as well, that, that groundswell of um, public opinion that we're, we're almost, you know, saying, oh, should we get him into, into the World Cup squad? And I think when you, you with all those things combined, you, th- you know, Garnacho feels not just the future, but um, the very near present. The, the only you know, slight thing that we've heard from some players and, and coaches is is the attitude. I wonder whether that, especially given that, okay, yes, he's he's committed to Argentina, but you know, he's someone who's who's unlike Messi, who kept his accent. Is he's very very much feels more um, a Spanish-born uh, um, player who who you'd hope wouldn't disrupt that really really good harmony in the Argentina squad that's my one question mark about Garnacho he's clearly fantastic but he knows it and I think there's a spot 
opening up in the squad for him to, to be a really big player. I just hope that, you know, the, those slight rumours that we've heard about his personality don't um, cause some friction um, as he as he starts to um, rise in his career. And then someone who perhaps we won't see quite as much of straight away, given Brighton's um, always very good management of some of these young players, but someone who I think certainly is going to be a big feature of this list for years to come. Buonanotte, you know, he, he gets that 11 spot just because he's got so much more first team football under his belt. And he's got that big move straight to a Premier League club and one that are upwardly mobile and, and doing really well. So I think that's why, even though we might see more of, we might see Garnacho leapfrog Buonanotte in, in 2023. Um, Buonanotte definitely, um, I think, has has got that ability to be someone who's even if even if he were to miss out on the the next World Cup squad, it it'd still only be twenty twenty one or so. <laughs> um, so I think he's he's someone who um, we're going to see a lot of going forward as well. Yeah, I mean, just turned eighteen, a massive coup for Brighton to be able to bring in Buonanotte what we've seen so far at Rosario Central and everyone you, you speak to about Buenanote coming through the academy at Central as well, just a, a, an elite level talent. Um, so hopefully one that we'll see lighting up the Premier League very soon. So we go into the top 10 where we see a lot of, um, I guess, expected names there. A few surprises. Number 10, Leonardo Baleri is not maybe someone that's going to get too many pulses racing. Um, one of the oldest players on the list. But again, we felt as though had to be relatively high up because he's playing every week for a Marseille side that, you know, are riding pretty high in France, playing in the Champions League. Um, and you'd have to say Balerdi will will probably be in the conversations of Lionel Scaloni and, and his staff going forward when they're choosing squads. So you'd have to put him there or thereabouts. And then above Balerdi, we have the highest new entry in the Galasso 50 this year, Tom, and we've mentioned him, I think, in passing because we've been talking a lot about Velez Sarsfield um, and we might be talking a lot more about this player in the next year or so, given he's right in the middle of a lot of the transfer speculation, but Maximo Perroni, the highest new entry this year. Yeah, pro- probably my favourite young player to, to come through this year. He's He's just got a bit of everything. He's got the technique, he's got the all the ability that would make him just thrive in it in a European setting. He's so classy on the ball. Um, he's clearly got the personality as well to handle the pressure and to, um, you know, take take it to the next level. And I think he's the type who, you know, as soon as you put him around players of a higher quality, he's just going to blend seamlessly in. Obviously, Man City, a very hard place to to break into. And, you know, you wonder if that move is, is more about Man City seeing... Um, an option to to bring a player in on a on a pretty low um, fee, um, knowing that they can, you know, it's a, it's a pretty low risk move. If it doesn't work out, they can, you know, they're probably going to sell him on for more money, or they can he can go out and play on a loan. But it'd be a shame if he did go that way because this is a player that has been followed and tracked and uh, tempted by some of the biggest clubs ever since he was a. Um, you know, 15, 16 year old. So he's been on the radars of all these big clubs for a while. And yeah, he's, uh, he's up here because he's 
unlike maybe some Orishana, he he made himself an absolute essential player to Velez straight away, and he's got that ceiling which is you know as high as as, as any uh, probably a um, mid midfielder on on this list perhaps. Yeah, and, and in addition to all of those technical qualities, I think what we saw and where you can maybe set him apart from Orejano, particularly in that Libertadores run all the way to the semi-finals, was you saw a, a guy, a young guy, a big personality and already mm. a, a real leader on the pitch, um, which can only hold him in good stead when you think about those potential transfers. Um, another pretty big personality just above him who could be on the cusp of a big transfer to Europe, uh, number eight, Carlos Alcaraz from Racing. A lot of interest in him from Europe, as you'd expect from a guy at his age, still just 20 years of age, but a goal-scoring midfielder, um, someone that can kind of do it, do a bit of everything in that midfield, but loves to get forward, great strike with the ball, can hit free kicks as well um, and, and another one who looks as though he'd be more than capable of making that switch to Europe and, and almost immediately making an impact at most clubs uh, above him Alan Velasco another one of the major league soccer representatives um, of course now at FC Dallas but enormous talent at Independiente before making that move and always a move when, when someone of that talent goes to Major League Soccer, it's maybe a little bit underwhelming because you see these type of players and think they, they could easily be going to some of the big clubs in Europe. Um, but it doesn't necessarily close that door. And Velasco's young enough to be able to have a year or two in the US and impress and then still make that move that we still hope for one of the players a little bit higher up in this list. So Velasco there at number seven. And then at number six, Tom, uh, maybe one of those three midfielders We've already talked about Peroni and Alcaraz, um, another one of the, the top midfield talents in Argentina at the moment who could get a move in this window, Alan Varela of Boca Juniors. Yeah, it's been it's been quite interesting um, seeing these three players, Varela, Alcaraz and Peroni, all start to get linked with players well after we've, we've drawn up the list and it kind of makes you sit there quite smugly and say, oh yeah, you know, we're, we're, we're doing something right if we're picking out probably the, the three best domestic-based players and, and getting them in the top 10 and they're all the ones who've been linked with, with really big moves to, to Premier League clubs. But I think it's just showing as well that clubs are start, starting to, to, to look at bringing players directly across from Argentina um, not necessarily needing that stepping stone in Europe, um, the likes of uh, Enzo Fernandez has uh, has had to do, um, realizing what talent is coming up, and particularly in midfield. So there's a, a real strength in depth now, not just of the the guys you're seeing in the national team, but there's um, several young players who who all look like they could be at home in in the Argentina midfield. Um, so the the future's very very bright there, and, and yeah, Varela's someone who has really kicked on where he's kind of when it, when he kind of a, a, initially broke through with um, Almendra and Medina for that um, that midfield three that kind of for a little while in Boca's midfield looked like there could be the the kind of youthful core of the team Almendra's gone completely the other way Medina's probably stood a little bit still but Varela's been the one who's who's really kicked on and you know he's a one of the biggest clubs in in the continent he's 
absolutely crucial to winning two trophies this year. And now he's, you know, getting getting some links and it is going to be fascinating to see whether whether Boca say, okay, let's cash in on him because we've got Eki Fernandez who who could be as good, if not better, than than Vrela, I think. Um or whether they say, well, we'd be a fool to sell this absolute key player and, and we'll we'll ship off uh, Fernandez in, instead. So that's going to be a really interesting battle. As you said, maybe they could play together. That would be certainly something that would be very interesting and, and some, something that I'd like to see. But I feel like um, when the money's on the table, um, Boca are going to be thinking, OK, well, one of these is, is, is a good source of income when we've got a, a very good player in the same position. Yeah, I mean, the talk this week has been Newcastle coming in and offering what would be basically his release clause of, of sort of around 15 million, 15, 18 million dollars, um, which you'd have to imagine would be very difficult, even if you take out the idea of it being a release clause, um, which is always sort of fairly loosely used anyway in Argentina as more of a guide price than really anything in terms of is triggered and now the player's leaving because a lot of these young guys are not forcing the move them, themselves necessarily. So it, it's kind of more just a security blanket for the for the club in, in many ways. But it will be interesting to see Boca tested if a team do genuinely come and put that kind of money forward. Um, as is the case with Peroni, I'm not sure if a team have actually triggered any clause yet or whether there's still just kind of discussions about what kind of price they'd end up having to pay. But Varela's certainly done enough to put himself into the shop window and at that price as well. Um, one to watch for 2023, no doubt about it. Number five, a guy who's roundabouts the, the national team setup already, Nawin Perez, um, a centre-back who's been on the list for a couple of years now, now at Udinese, getting some regular time and pretty close to Scaloni's squad already, so you'd expect him to be there. And above him, a centre-back who's, who's probably even closer um, in Facundo Medina, Tom, Really impressing in France, a guy who I think Scaloni will like, given the fact that he can play in a back three and a back four, could even fill in at left back as well. Um, and one of those who who's made his move to Europe, but you could see him in the very near future getting a big money move to an even bigger club in Europe. Yeah, I think when you first look at the list and you and you see uh, a long centre back and a and a Udinese centre back in in fourth and fifth, it it is maybe a little bit surprising, but. I think a, a big part of why you know what we base certainly the top positions on is is that proximity to the national team being you know clearly the the, the ultimate goal for for a lot of them. So even if they're not at the the very biggest clubs right now, um, and perhaps if you're doing it purely on talent alone, you know they wouldn't be a top ten player. But as you said, Medina has been consistently doing it now. Um, he was part of the reserve list for the world cup so as close as you can get to being a world cup champion really and someone who i thought was you know very unlucky i think it was a, a straight shootout between him and Foyth really as that guy who can play multiple positions in in the defensive line um there's been talk of some big italian clubs looking at medina so suddenly if you're looking at Facundo, uh, Facundo Medina as a starting centre back for Inter Milan or something, you know, he, he suddenly becomes a, a bit more of a, a attractive um, proposal. And and I think Perez, just to go back to him as well, um, is is someone who, um, yeah, has, has has got that 
body of ex, uh, experience, you know, good season in Portugal and then, you know, not so good um, after that, but it's coming good again. And he's still young enough as well that, that I think he, he's going to be a, a big part of uh, Scaloni's plans going forward. So, um, yeah, they, the, the national team setup is, is, is definitely a big, big factor in why these two defenders are, um, are so high. And, and if you look at, those players coming into their prime in in the national team, Lisandro Cuti, um, with these with these other centre backs, you know, breathing down their necks. There's there's some good strength and depth there. Looking forward for the national team. Yeah, there really is, and and that brings us into the top three players there that just missed out on the national team, but are in the plans going forward. And the top three three players that are now world champions. And although we can argue, and as I said when I was writing it, the top two positions really were a toss of the coin. Um, we did this pre-World Cup and, and opted not to change it in the end. I, I don't think with those three players that won the World Cup, there can be many arguments about number three because the other two had significant roles in Argentina winning a World Cup, but that's not to diminish Thiago Almada um, and his clear talent, Tom, and that's why he, he is number three this year. Yeah, I mean, Almada is someone who we've been a big fan of. Yet another Velez graduate on this list. Um, promise we're not getting paid by the club to, <laughs> to be bigging their players up. But he's been someone who I've followed for a very long, long time. Um, he would have been someone who would be easily top 10, given what a good season he'd had in MLS anyway. But I think as soon as he got into the national team squad, you know, a bit fortuitously through the injuries to uh, Gonzalez and Correa. Um, and the fact that he got some minutes there as well, and is clearly so highly thought of by the staff and players like Messi um, means that, you know, in terms of level um, and potential and ceiling, he's right up there with, with the best of them. I think just because he's in a, at an MLS club now, um, that's probably the only the only sort of part of his um profile that that maybe could be could be improved upon um although i think he's he and velasco have shown that if you're a really really top top level talent in argentina you can go and and make an impact straight away in mls whereas we've seen other maybe second tier talents go struggle or take a bit of time a la Barco, for example, and and have to come back. Um, whereas the sort of older Argentinian players seem to be doing better in MLS. I think Almada and Velasco, if they get big moves to Europe, could be the the justification for a lot of those MLS clubs to to keep going fishing in Argentina and and maybe the type of talent they go for in in Argentina as as more the the big money one. So Almada, I think surely he's going to be up for a, for a big move i think he's going to be someone who's clearly um in the the plans for the national team and and yeah he sort of emerged from that chasing pack to make third position his own even if he was still a long way off um enzo and julian at the top yeah i mean i think if he was to get a big move to europe in the next 6 months or so it would be a significant one for Major League Soccer as well, given the fact that they would have that great example of we spent big on a on a huge talent as a young player from Argentina, and whilst as 
a player in MLS, won a World Cup, and then still got his move to Europe. In terms of a selling point, I think, for the for the league and for the clubs there, it would help hugely in terms of attracting more young talent and keep that pattern, which we're only seeing increase from window to window of, of MLS clubs shopping in Argentina and South America. Um, the top two, absolutely no question. You could go one way or the other in terms of, of, of who you put as one, who you put as number two. In the end, we went Enzo Fernandez to Julian Alvarez at number one. In part, we, we already had the list like that before the World Cup. We didn't want to change it too much based purely on a World Cup or any potential transfer that may be happening or not happening. We shall see. Um, maybe we would have done if Enzo Fernandez had, had had the World Cup that he did and Julian Alves had just been the backup to Lautaro Martinez, as many thought he would be going to Qatar. But in the end, both River graduates played massive parts in, in Argentina's World Cup success. So... As I said, writing down, you, you really could flip a coin and decide, but two more than worthy one and two positions in the Golasso 50, Tom. Yeah, it was an impossible choice. I think that probably, again, the hardest choice that we've had to pick number one. Um, and I was seriously considering an unprecedented uh, joint uh, first um, because there really is that little to choose um, between... Uh, the two of them, given that the years they have had, and like you said, both of their massive, massive impacts um, on on the World Cup win, crucial changes by Scaloni in, in bringing them both in, along with Alexis McAllister in in turning the tide of that campaign. Um, so, yeah, very, very difficult. I think, arguably, if this move to to Chelsea or or wherever. Um, doesn't go through as it's looking like it currently is at the time of recording um then that might just have justified um, our selection of going with Julian first because I think if Enzo had got that 80 100 120 million pound move then it becomes quite hard to to say um who's had the the better year but I, I think the fact that you know they're both killing it in Argentina for the first six months of the year um yes um, Enzo's probably had the better 2022 just in terms of how much he has risen because let's not forget that Julian Alvarez was already South American Player of the Year um, last year so the fact that um, that Julian's not getting maybe as much regular game time at Man City um, could be used as, as something to say okay maybe Enzo deserves the top spot but I think the fact that he's Quillen's already made that move to one of the very, very elite clubs in the world, no no offence to Benfica, and is contributing in the chances that he's given means that he's just that little bit further along in his development. And yeah, you could argue that as much as Enzo Fernandez had a huge, huge role in, in Argentina's um, victory, you know, maybe that semi-final performance as well from Julian Alvarez is is the one that, that really gets the headline. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Enzo getting top spot next year. Um, I think that's going to be a really interesting battle. Um, but yeah, that's, that's for why for me, Julian just pips it by, you know, the very, very smallest margin. But, you know, I would 
if, if someone came at me and said that Enzo has to be number one, then I, I wouldn't put up too much of a fight. No, neither would I. Absolutely not. I mean, there's nothing between them. Um, Enzo being a year younger um, as well may, gives him obviously more opportunities. As we've seen, last year he was number 13. Now he's number two. Julian Alvarez last year was number two, just behind Cuti Romero. Now he takes the top spot. Um, he'll still be eligible, of course, in, in 12 months' time um, for the 2023 Golasso 50. Um, could be the first player to, to retain it. We shall see. Um, but Enzo certainly well placed with his trajectory to, to go on it and take the top spot. And, and as I said, absolutely nothing between the two of them. Um, so that was the entire 50. Um, a great year for Argentina, a great year for so many of these young players as well. If you haven't seen it, then if you go to golasoargentino.com, um, all the parts are there, all of the, the little blurbs that we wrote for all 50 players. I hope this has gone some way to explaining that process and, and the players that we decided to choose on. You can now hopefully get an idea of how difficult that was and the players that, that didn't make it. Um, but most of them certainly in consideration for this time next year. And um, Tom, I'm already looking forward to, to starting to compile that list. Yeah, it's, it's going to be good. And I think with the Sudamericano, um, Sub-20 coming back um, for the first time in in four years, that's going to be um, that's always a real interesting indicator on on which players right at the start of the year are going to be ones to watch not just this year but but going forward. So that's that's definitely the next thing on the agenda, and I'm sure there'll be some some names that um, come from absolutely nowhere to, to to break into that top 50. But um, yeah, um, enjoyed discussing that and. Um, yeah look forward to the next one yeah well thanks as ever Tom hope you enjoyed it as well listening um, as I say go to the website to, to check that out and hopefully we'll be back again soon with another edition of the podcast with the league season in Argentina just a few weeks away we will hopefully be back with some kind of a preview round about the kickoff of that competition to look ahead to the return of club football in Argentina but until then take care and I hope you enjoyed this episode <laughs>